Welcome to the new Positive Talk Radio Show. With me, Kevin McDonald is your host. Our mission is to entertain, enlighten, empower, and educate all of us to break free from hate, division, and fear. And as one, create something better. Yes, it's been 18 years since Positive Talk Radio ended. And yes, I promised that we'd be back, which proves that your dreams are only dead if you let them be. So please, join me and other inspiring people as we continue to explore a better way to live for us, our children, and our planet. And again, welcome to my dream. And welcome back to Martha Norwalk's Animal World for a Sunday. It's the last Sunday of the month, which means that either Martha's got a terrible cold or she's not here. And so she's not here because this is Positive Talk with Kevin McDonald. And uh, we've got to, uh, some great guests for you today. Um, we're having a good time here. Last hour, we talked to Holly Berry. Not Halle Berry, Holly Berry. And, uh, but she's every bit as talented as, as the other Berry. And in this, in this hour, we're going to talk to uh, Randy Hathaway and we'll find out all about what he's done, play some music for you, um, talk about theory. And, well, actually, Eric, I, I, Eric Hall is with us. Hi. Hi. And go ahead, and I would love for you, since you guys are old, old roommates and you stole his cat, I would love for you to... <laughs> I would love... I, I, I stuck would, out one night. We just <laughs> disappeared with her. <laughs> I would love you to introduce Randy. This is Randy Hathaway. He is a classical guitarist. Been in the Northwest. Uh, gosh, well, we met at uh, we met in 1990. Yeah, and he used to live in Yakima. He moved to Seattle, Washington, to attend Cornish, and that's where we met back in 1990. And he's been a huge part of uh, the Seattle classical guitar scene ever since. And he recently put out an album, Classical Guitar in America, that is absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. And really kind of groundbreaking in a lot of ways. And what's, uh, in my mind, significant about this album is that it really adds to the fabric of American music. And as you hear the story and, and hear the pieces, hear uh, segments of the music from it, you'll you'll understand why I say that it does add to the fabric of uh, American music, because you did focus on what American music is, isn't that correct? I don't think consciously I did. I think it just came out naturally, and I think that's one of the the more interesting aspects is that I had never really listened to any American composers prior to writing this music, and I should clarify this album is my compositions. And I only play on one track as sort of a cameo. So I really haven't played professionally on the classical guitar for about 19 years, uh, but I compose. And I, I'm very fortunate to have other people play my music. Hmm. But as far as going back to the American thing, yeah, it's where that started to come out, and it's very present on the album, I have no idea. I have no idea. It just started to pour out. And this American tonality, I call it. Yeah. And you can hear it. I mean, if you listen to jazz, you obviously know that's jazz. That's an American sound. And when you listen to tracks on my album, you go, wow, there's an American sound within this. Well, I remember you and I used to talk about Copeland. Yeah. 
that's what led me to listening to Copeland was my my music <laughs> writing. It. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I remember I was writing Exodus at the time, and I had already finished up uh, American Sonata, which had a real strong American presence. And even prior to that, I had done a flute and guitar piece called Engage, and I was having this very strong American presence in that. Now, I think of Burl Ives. Do you? Yeah, when, when uh, I hear Sonata. Oh, okay. I, I, I think of Burl Ives a bit. And did you have that in mind? No, not at all. Interesting. I, I had no American composers in mind, and all that stuff just started flowing out. And I had, like I said, I hadn't even listened to any American composers. So where that influence came from, I have no idea. But when I was writing Exodus, I finally sat down and I thought, where is this stuff coming from? I should sit down and listen to some American composers, see if there's any (laughs) correlation whatsoever between what I'm doing and what they're doing. And the only two composers that came to mind were Aaron Copland and Leonard Bernstein. Mm. Those are the ones that were the most popular in my mind. So I went out and I bought some uh, albums of theirs. In fact, the Aaron Copeland album I got is Leonard Bernstein conducting Aaron uh, Copeland's music. Right, right. But I also got some of uh, Leonard Bernstein's uh, own compositions. And it didn't take me very long of listening to Aaron Copeland's music before I hugely connected with it. I'm a, to this day, I'm a huge, huge fan of Aaron Copeland. Period. Hands down. Love his music. He's an, he's an American icon. But you know, dancers love... Copeland's music. Well, he wrote a lot for dance. And I know p- dancers love your music, right? You have an upcoming piece. And wasn't that one of the first things I said? I think dancers are going to love your music. Yeah. Um, I've heard that. I've, I've have some friends whose <laughs> who significant others have uh, danced in the professional world of ballet and stuff. And uh, I will hear stories. I've been playing your music around uh, the home and so-and-so is doing interpretive dance to it. <laughs> oh, it makes you great. think. Your, your music has this unique ability to really reflect. Yeah, engage and, you. Yeah, engage and, and excellent. spend time. Excellent. And I, and I know this is a weird phrase to say, but it makes you go inside and, and really think about uh, what's happening inside that piece. It, oh, good. For some reason, it makes you sort of moody. Good, good. Yeah, but I then, love it. Since, since we're talking about this, maybe we should play some so that people can get an idea Oh, what in the world you guys are talking about? Well, Excellent. we could, yeah, why don't, you know, we could do some of the, uh, the, be great to go to the blue disc. I have, this is actually a double CD I have. Right. So I have a red disc and a blue disc. Uh, which is an interesting story by itself. Which is an interesting <laughs> story by itself. Maybe we won't get into Let's go down to track um, one, two, three, four. How about five, six, and seven of the blue disc? And this is Exodus. These are the last tracks of a larger suite. It's a 17-minute piece for guitar and viola. It's a beautiful piece. And it's a beautiful piece, and it has the most iconic American sound on the whole album. But there's bits of this sound uh, on other tracks. Um, I think this feels a little bit more rooted in the mid-20th century, which the story actually goes to the more mid-19th century. Uh, the migration from the east to the west, uh, but it's a it's a big it's a big work of seventeen minutes for viola and flute, but or excuse me, viola and guitar. But we're going to hear just the last three movements, so maybe just a four minutes. 
five minutes of it if you want to. Oh, cool. Y'all, ab- absolutely. Well, I want I want people to get an idea yeah. of what it is that you have in your head that you put out there and is now in a yeah. double CD. Especially since we just talked about Copeland. Ex- sure. Exactly. So this is Randy Hathaway, and this is Exodus.
And that is Randy Hathaway, and from his uh, double CD, which is uh, Classical Guitar in America. That's correct. And uh, that that is a beautiful piece. We were sitting there, and we were all kind of mesmerized by it, yeah. and trying to think of you know I, I, of the visuals that could go along with it and stuff. It's it's a beautiful piece of work. Where did you where did you come from? Where did you learn to do all of this? Um, I think uh, I think it's been a process. Because uh, I have a degree from Cornish College of the Arts, and I was specifically back in that time doing classical guitar performance. And then post-college, I got together with a couple friends from the Seattle Opera, and uh, I started doing a lot of arranging, so I would arrange my own parts. And then composing came after that. So everything kind of morphed in, in that direction. So I don't have any... I don't have any formal education in composing, but I have formal education in classical music. And so I think, you know, just carried those experiences and somehow it just started to formulate out of necessity in a way. <laughs> Absolutely. Holly, what'd you think? I loved it. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> as, a matter, as a matter of fact, if you'd like to um, get a CD, you can come to Randy's car. <laughs> yeah, come to my, come to my just... Jeep. It'll be in the parking lot. I got a few out there. <laughs> And also, what's your website? RandyHathaway.com. Spelled how? H-A-T-H-A-W-A-Y. And Randy's just R-A-N-D-Y. So if you do RandyHathaway.com, you can do uh, CDs, or you can also do downloads, which a lot of people are doing nowadays. And I've got it set up so you can download individual pieces or the whole album. And also have a, uh, if you have... uh, musician friends uh all the pieces on the album have been published into sheet music so we have all the sheet music up there as well and there's other things to explore i've got a couple documentaries up there and uh some radio interviews picks and all kinds of goodies so if you are a guitarist yeah and you would like to play this yeah then you can pick up the sheet music you could pick up the sheet music yeah absolutely and and the album's got voice on it we've got um Five pieces for voice and guitar, voice and flute. You just heard voice and, or I keep saying voice. It's guitar and flute, guitar and viola. And then we've got some solos, duos, trios, quartets. So it's really got a lot of variety going. But your guitar sounds like a voice because you're speaking a language through it. Sure, why not? Why not? <laughs> I, thought, I thought I'd be as deep as I could get. Well, I think like each instrument is like a cast member of a TV series or show or something like that, and they're playing out this act. Yeah. So a voice does make sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, the guitar is also a melodic instrument. I mean, the beautiful thing about it is it can be self-contained because it, it's, it's got the ability, to, like the piano, to create harmony. 
but it can uh, create beautiful melody. But then when you put the viola, uh, you've got to give it, you know, plenty of room to take the melody there. So we, we gave the viola a lot of beautiful lines in that piece that you could just listen to. That's almost like you put, we're putting a script together. I, I thought about it all the way through. And I was. It was a story. I had in my mind what it would be like to um, to migrate from the east to the west during uh, the 19th century, you know, American lifestyle. And uh, I watched, you know, a few documentaries and read books and was, you know, heard stories from my family about their migrations and where our family came from and talked to friends about where their family came from. Everybody migrated out here for the most part. You know, at some point. Everybody did. Pretty much, except for the indigenous people who were here. Everybody else migrated out here. And uh, so there's lots of stories. And that really intrigues me because that is, I mean, today travel is planes and trains and cars. And it's just easy and quick. And then back then it would have been horse and probably wagon. And to think about how rough that would be and what people would have to go through. I mean, you would have to have so much tenacity to be able to pull something like that together with your family and friends, leave someplace, leave your life and take a chance on going across this huge continent and settling. So anyway, and there were no gas stations. You could stop to go use the restroom. I can't believe that. (laughs) Pick up a Twinkie (laughs) suckers bar. We're we're talking with uh, um, uh, Randy Hathaway and Eric Hall is here. Holly Berry is here and I'm here and we're going to go take a break right now because we need to sell some advertising for uh, Martha. So go buy her products. Go look at what she's doing um, and we'll be right back. You're listening to KKNW 1150 AM. Chickens. We have chickens in the house. By the way, this is the last Sunday of the month, which means it's Positive Talk Sunday with Kevin McDonald. How is everybody today? I get that CD. (laughs) <laughs> oh, there is a CD that she has one. Martha's got, and in during uh, um, the holiday season, she's got the Jingle Cats. Does she really? Yeah, that is a classic. It makes too, you want to dance to it. It's that <laughs> like upbeat. It, some people go, well wait till you hear the pigs. That's a that's coming. Uh, <laughs> the pigs are a whole different thing. But but Martha is a is a wonderful hostess, and she does a great job of of allowing me to come here and to bring my friends and some really, really talented people. Thank Holly Berry was here last, last uh, uh, hour. She's still here. She's still she's, here. She's, she's in the other room. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she's going to stay here with us, and, uh, and we're just going to have a great time. We're talking with Randy Hathaway. He is um, the creator of Classical Guitar in America. It's a double CD, and uh, it is all his compositions. It all came from his brain, which came from somewhere else, which I'm not sure that he knows. Where we don't they... know where it came from, really. None of us. <laughs> it's, it, it's an amazing thing that you that you that you've done. And I when I when I first met you, I assumed that because you are were a classical guitarist, mm-hmm. and you were um, Eric set it up that when a world famous person comes to town who is a guitarist of note that a lot of times they would look you up because and this comes from you said this Eric. I know I said this yeah. <laughs> and they <laughs> I would stick lo- to it they would look you up because <laughs> of your abilities and and see, he lived with you he knows he stole your cat he knows everything that's right I knew when to steal his cat too <laughs> <laughs> exactly so 
So I assume that you played on these, but you had a group of people that helped you, and including the last one that we played, which was Exodus, you had uh, uh, viola. Yeah, we had Graham. Yeah, we had Graham Banfield on guitar and Julia Posey on the viola, who came from Italy. She flew in from Italy to record that here to Seattle because the whole entire project was uh, recorded here in town and produced here. And primarily most of the players and all the artists are from Seattle area with a few exceptions of like Julia who flew in from Italy. Although he was right when he says you had somebody fly in from Italy to play the viola on your work. That is correct. And I feel very honored by that. Of course. Yeah. Well, I, First, we had Graham in the studio, the guitarist uh, recording a piece of mine called Winter's Arrival for solo guitar. And Julie was accompanying him at the time. They were dating, and it was her first time in America. They met over in Europe. And uh, after the recording session, just talking with Graham, having a great time, I said, Graham, I would love to bring you back to record this iconic piece, Exodus. And I just need to find a violist. And then he, of course, points to Julia and says, what about Julia? She's a violist. And we've played together, and she's been trained since she was four years old in Italy. The real deal. So I sent them the music. They said okay. And then um, uh, the the money that I pretty much paid her to to uh, record Exodus was pretty much what she paid or put into her plane ticket, which was really sweet of her. But uh, as you can tell, she is remarkable. Uh, beautiful on her instrument. Her she's intonation. perfect. Yeah, her, yeah, she's yeah. perfect. And, uh, and of course, Graham is just fantastic <laughs> as well. In fact, Graham, out of the 18 musicians, Graham put more minutes on this album uh, but than anybody really else. They play really well together. Yeah, they man. play well I together. I got to ask, did they work out? No. She <laughs> married somebody <laughs> else, and he went to New York. I'm sorry. But dude. they are, you know what? They're still friends. Are they? I, I I'm think so. I'm not surprised. So. I'm not surprised. But, you know, I don't ever really ask. I thought they broke up because of the album. <laughs> no, it's I, a breakup album yeah after yeah. the recording session they were like we're done <laughs> can't no, take it kidding. anymore <laughs> no they play beautifully together yeah they do didn't yeah. it impress you that you could get 18 musicians to come and play on this and they did it because they believe in you um i never thought of it that way but um i was i was very honored to get that many i didn't plan on getting that many i really thought nine or less um but the very first musician i started to recruit kind of let me know was like wow i've got a lot of projects going and everybody else does too and maybe i could play on one or two and i thought okay that'd be great and then i thought ooh, one or two i got 15 compositions uh-oh, I have to start recruiting folks. Well, you know, this so. this speaks to the level that these people take seriously their yeah. music. You oh, know, absolutely. How committed they are to their projects. Because, yeah, yeah. You know. And this music also, I realized, that would have been taxing. I, I could have gotten away with using four classical guitarists to record everything on this album. But that would have been really taxing. That would have like been take, telling somebody to take two years out of their life. Like, forget, drop all your projects. Come learn my music for the next two years. And then, I mean, they probably would have if I would have shown them big, huge rock star money. And I didn't have that. So, you know, being able to commit to one or two songs, much easier. But that also required me to recruit 13 <laughs> classical guitarists to the album. Yeah, but but doesn't that mean that each song has got its own flavor because yeah. of the interpretation brought by each individual artist? Um. 
It can be, although I was I was a little bit of a dictator there. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, I kind of figured out out in the live world, they can do whatever they want with my music, and they will and they have. But in the studio and in the rehearsals, um, I always want to hear their opinion, and I'm super open to that. But at the end of the day, they know that I will make the decisions of, no, I don't want that, and I, I need more of this. And everybody was really cool. My whole idea is to like make a really good relationship with the musicians so that everybody feels like extremely accomplished about what they're doing. But it's also going to be my decision uh, on how things go uh, with it. Because like I said, it's my one chance to show off my compositions to the world, and then as they go out there and they perform in many half, uh, they'll they'll do whatever they want. Well, that's how you sustain the integrity throughout the album. Yeah, you know it really it really once you sit down and and listen to it uh, completely, you can hear that influence through the whole piece. It doesn't unravel and have all these different influences doing different things. You can hear a cohesion to it. Yeah, it really comes across well. I'm so curious with the whole business background stuff that I have. Uh, yeah project like that sounds enormous yeah. i'm so curious the history how long it took you took like, me a 10 well as far as financials i <laughs> saved up for this project for 10 years wow and um i had been writing the music for uh probably you know a dozen years knowing that i would would love to record it you know an album someday and so as i kept writing and it, i kept thinking well we're gonna start saving some money so I saved up, yeah, 10 years. And then when I finally decided to pull the trigger, it actually took three more years to um, do the production of this. It took a year and a half to record all the musicians, a year and a half to mix and master the music. That's an so amazing we, amount. It is amazing yeah. amount. So it, it's, you know, um, 10 years of saving, three years of it. So, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good chunk of time to, to get an album out. You out. really had a passion for it. Yeah, I'm really driven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I used to come home and he'd be at his laptop. He's sitting on the sofa. Oh, you got to hear this. And I'd sit down and, and the computer, because you're using what program that would play I use out that? Sibelius. Sibelius, that? that's yeah. right. And we'd go, boom, boom, da-da-da, boom, boom, da-da-da. Yeah. That's why Eric was. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> and after after about six months, you know, I've got all this stuff embedded in my head. I could I could just you know, I'm dr- I'm driving down the road and I'm starting to sing, bum, dum, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I'm glad that got in your head a little bit. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> but in a good way. Right? <laughs> but in a good way. I was so happy to hear a guitar playing yeah. rather than the computer. Because boy, it sounds so much better out of out of guitar than it does in the computer. Yeah, and actually, that's that's no a, offense, it, Abelius. That's an issue you have to go through. Is when, as a composer, and you're writing with these computers nowadays. Back in the day, we used to write everything down by hand. When I was doing all my arrangements, they were all done by hand because I didn't have this program. But the program makes it great because you can do playback, and uh, you can put headphones on. You can close your eyes. You can really sync in and listen. But you get synthetic instruments. And, and unfortunately, my program's older, and it can sound like a really bad 80s Casio keyboard. <laughs> and so it really trips you out. Sometimes you go, is it going to really sound that bad? And then I have to get on my guitar and I go, no, it sounds good on the guitar. Go back to the computer. Ooh, that sounds horrible. So you play this game with yourself back and forth. Interesting. And that's why you always have to get the music out there and, and, and get a good read-through with the musicians. 
Interesting. Before you ever have it performed or recorded, just to make sure that you are on track, because you do have those questions and I'm all the time, even now. Huh? Because yeah, you, you also used the keyboard upstairs too while you were. No, I never did. No. No, I just sat there for looks. Did it? Yeah. Yeah. It made me look uh, like I was actually. Uh, yeah. More. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well-rounded as a composer, <laughs> having a keyboard. I write everything on the guitar, even the viola, the voice, the flute. And I've done recently English horn. Uh, I've written really? A, I've gotten away from guitar, and I've written a uh, choral piece, a cappella. So the woodwind instrument. I've written it all on the guitar. The woodwind instrument, the English horn, the woodwind yeah, instrument. Yeah, which is in the oboe family. I did a yeah. beautiful, that's called Urban Dance, a piece for guitar. And and uh, and so all the melody, everything I do, I write on the guitar, which is really unusual. Hmm. Never used the piano yet, but maybe someday I will. Well, it is classical guitar in America. Yeah, but I'm starting to write further in some I'm in the middle of a string quartet right now, traditional strings, and I'm, again, I'm right, I'm voicing everything out on the guitar, which actually, surprisingly, most people wouldn't realize this, that instrument works so well for writing a cappella choirs, and uh, the 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 strings that I'm working on right now, the quartet, the range is like phenomenally great. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, so once you learn the ranges of the baritone and your tenors and your alto sopranos and you transfer that back and forth between a string quartet or a choir and then you look at the guitar, you're like, ah, it just fits beautifully. Now, is that because of the way the guitar is keyed? I don't know. I don't know. It's it, Part of it is that the, when you, yeah, the lowest note on the guitar pretty much is very similar to the lowest notes that a baritone singer can sing comfortably, and we can tune down to the lowest note of the cello. So we've got those instruments taken care of. Uh, the tenors and the altos, all perfectly up the strings. The only thing that can go much higher is that you, you keep in mind the violins and soprano singers can go a bit higher than the guitar can go. Uh, okay. A bit higher. A bit so, higher. But everything else is there. It's great. Anyway, enough said. <laughs> well, I don't know what to say now. <laughs> I, I want to hear more. This yeah. is my first. What about the first one you started recording in that three years? That boy, I'm trying to remember what <laughs> the first one is. Um, I wonder if we should uh, try something. Why don't we try something a little different here? Um, because when I was learning classical guitar back when I was uh, 19, and then I got to Cornish when I was 21, I loved uh, the flamenco and mm. South American world. And so there's a little splattering of that on this album too. So there's a beautiful piece called Le Beau Tango. It is on the red disc. I love that piece. And it is track number five. And this is Whitney Lyman, vocalist, and Jessica Papkoff, guitarist. And this is uh, just some beautiful... I love her voice. Beautiful old song that I found some words to, and I had already written the music, and I incorporated it together. It's called Le Beau Tango. Before we do that, we're going to take a break. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> um, in any event, we're talking with Randy Hathaway, and Eric Hall is here, and Holly Berry, and we're going to take this break, and then when we come back, we'll reintroduce yeah. that song and have, uh, yeah. and we'll talk about it. Yeah. So <laughs> and welcome back to Martha Norwalk's Animal World, although it's not really Martha Norwalk's Animal World. It's Positive Talk with Kevin McDonald because this yeah. is the last Sunday of the month. And um, who do we got? We, we got lions this time. And giraffes. Lions and elephants. I don't know if giraffes make a noise. I don't think I, they really have like 
Um, Enough vocal cords to actually <laughs> make a sound. <laughs> Eric is over there snoring. That's so, a Sasquatch sound. That's oh, a Sasquatch sound. <laughs> so we're talking with Randy Hathaway, and we set up to play this song. Uh, what song are we playing again? We're going to listen to Le Beau Tango, uh, and the instrumentalists are Whitney Lyman, uh, voice, and Jessica Papkoff, guitar. And this is Classical Guitar in America. That is Randy Hathaway from his CD, Classical Guitar in America. You know, I'm struck, Randy, that that song was nothing like the previous song. No, no. That was one of the reasons why it was great to show it off. Um, 
is like I was uh, back in college and I was uh, learning classical guitar, the Spanish and Latin repertoire was just really intoxicating to me. And, uh, and so there, there's another piece called Gypsy de Malaga on the album, which is just a full on flamenco ish, uh, composition for four guitars. And we just heard Lobo Tango, which is for voice and guitar. So a little bit of the Latin and Spanish do come into my music because I just love that music so much. It's so passionate. Um, so now when you were a kid, yeah, in I was a teenager or even preteen, yeah. what music did you listen to? Heavy metal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I figured as much. Yeah. Uh, who, who was your favorite uh, band? Ooh, you know, probably back then there was, there was, I think starting out with the hard rock scene of Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith moving into probably with Judas Priest and Metallica stuff. You know, and progressively getting into harder and harder repertoire, more faster stuff, different types of metal, speed metal, yada, yada, yada. Um, well, you and, were in rock bands. when Yeah, you were. and I, I played lead guitar in, in these metal bands when I was a teenager, and I started to just kind of burn out. I was starting to get bored, and I don't know if it was because of the guitar or the music or I was just losing the challenge. That's when I started to study classical. I was hoping to give myself a boost see if I could uh, get re-energized with music because I was working so hard at it. I was putting like six to eight hours a day on my guitar, playing in these bands, and um, and was finding myself losing interest after about three or four years. And then I started studying classical guitar, and I was like, whoa, this is a different animal. This is a real different animal. I wasn't for sure how to think about it. And then, like I said, when I started seeing the 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 really fast flamenco and the really rhythmic uh, South American Latin music. I started to connect with those aspects. Not that I didn't connect also with the traditional composers as well, uh, from you know the Baroque and classical and even Renaissance periods. I certainly have. Well, uh, yeah. you know, just sitting here to listen to you talk, it's like I'm. It's like I'm talking with my nephew who's a computer geek. Yeah, and it's like you speak a whole different language. Um, I, I, you know, because all of the things that you have going on on in your head. It's like, you know, I'm still stuck with Led Zeppelin and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> you, you, now Holly's a little younger than us. <laughs> My first cassette tape was, uh, Metallica Inner Sandman. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> a great piece of writing that. Well, see, this is what it's like growing up in America. Yeah. You know, we, we have this pop culture that we call culture, but it's really kind of narrow to rock and roll. And there isn't very many people that listen to classical music. You go to other countries around the world, you go to Europe, and classical music is sort of built into their pop culture. You go to Asia, it's built into their yeah. pop culture. Yep. And that just isn't built in in America, unless you're fortunate to have parents or family friends that uh, listen to it. Uh, Introduce you to it somehow. Yeah, at a yeah. young age, and you get hooked. And, yeah. and there just isn't that many of us that get hooked on it. In it There's so much age. good music out in this world. Like um, I was talking when we were in break at one point about I also like jazz a lot, and I really like the cool school, and I've been listening to a little bit of Dave Brubeck, Miles Davis, and I'm just intrigued by the harmonies of jazz. And I've always liked jazz, though, especially when I got to Cornish. I think that's when I started to really appreciate it. So when you become introduced to it and you're just around it, you hear things that you don't hear in other music. I mean, there are things in jazz you just don't hear anywhere else. Mm. 
And there are things in classical music that I get that I can't get anywhere else, anywhere, in other types of music. So um, you are right. In Europe, they're, they're very uh, well-versed with this. I wish we were a little bit more here, but it's never too late for anybody to ever just try things out. Now, is that, beca- is that because we just don't, have never really done it? They have or? a longer history. I mean, you know, they've got hundreds of years of classical yeah. music history, and the most well-known composers of that field are from there, and we have a much smaller history of composers from the classical world. I blame it on our car culture. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going out on a limb when I say this, because forgive me, I love cars. I love cars. <laughs> But Highway 66 was the downfall of classical music. Because? Well, because that built its own culture of rock and roll. That really engaged rock and roll as a popular culture. That was the rise of it. Because radio became very involved. People tuned into their radios, and that was the time that, uh, oh, Elvis Presley and, and those guys were really getting hot. And, and, and the Beach Boys. And, and the Beach Boys. Jan and Dean and... And that was getting popular, and we're a youth-oriented culture. And cars, rock and roll represents the youth. And since we're capitalist, we're capitalist dogs, we focused on that. And, and let's face it, our attention spans are really kind of focused on, you know, back then probably seven minutes and less. And classical music can challenge us. You know, let's let's play a half hour or twenty eight minutes of a of a good piece of music and make us think a bit. Well, you couldn't get on AM radio or in those days AM radio unless See? if it was longer than three and a half minutes. That's part of my Highway sixty six killing classical music. Because <laughs> name how many pieces of classical music is uh, would He's, fit into a popular radio format. You've actually thought about this. I came up with it. It's out there. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, need I'm, sitting, I'm sitting that. on the part of me that uh, came up with this. But seriousness, that, that fits, right? Well, I, and it's even... I think it's aspect of it for sure. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's even progressed to that, like, TikTok, it's 15 seconds or less. There you go. <laughs> and look at American educational system. Is it really 15 seconds or less? Or less, yeah. Isn't that Ooh, insane? I what, see what, what you're What saying. can you do in yeah, 15 seconds? It's amazing yeah. what they yeah. can do in 15, but I, I don't think it's necessarily a good right. thing. I don't know. It has it, yet to be seen, but yeah. Well, there we go. And, and then we can go back into our dyslexic conversation about the evolutionary <laughs> process, but that's something we can talk in, talk about before because music is tied into that as well. Yeah. I just want to bring up Lady Gaga for a minute. I mean, she's a really well-known American pop singer uh, among many generations, especially youth, but a, one thing that a lot of people forget about is she's actually a very well-trained classical musician. Yes, And if you go onto YouTube too. and you search like, Lady Gaga, you know, piano playing or something like that. It is just breathtaking what she can do mm-hmm. classically in addition to being this really well-known pop singer because she's so well-trained in classical music. See, I love pop music uh, still. I mean, obviously I grew up on it. You know, we, we all, when we were kids, we, we listened to the radio and what was available to us at the time and what our friends were into and I learn things about pop music that I use even in my classical compositions. And one of the things is, is how to write a good hook, how to Mm -hmm. get a nice thing stuck in your head and not to be afraid of repeating something a little bit. Although 
one of the things I think that we do miss was you hit upon it uh, about TikTok in 15 seconds or less is, is this attention span problem that we have that we've created. We've started building into our society where does anybody ever sit down and listen to a whole piece of music with a pair of headphones on, close their eyes and really listen? And do they have the attention span to listen for 10 or 20 minutes to a larger piece of work? Not very many people do. And I feel that's, I, that I feel sad about because um, too many times people listen to music as background, like in your car, as you mentioned, or somewhere else. And even just sitting down on your couch and really listening. And I think people sometimes need to ask themselves, when's the last time I really, really listened to a piece of music uninterrupted somewhere on a couch, a chair, a bed, maybe even put some headphones on. Uh, and even the quality of our sound of the, you know, we have all this new technology that's come out. Uh, that doesn't mean the sound quality has gotten better. <laughs> it's actually meant quite the opposite. It means our sound quality over the last decade compared to the decade before that, compared to the decade before that, has diminished greatly. To so, technology. Randy, right? I want to kind of circle back since you're talking about that to your blue cd the song exodus we were Mm -hmm. talking about how you have different voices or instruments going on Mm -hmm. throughout that piece and it's kind of like a scenario or a setting Mm -hmm. and when that song was playing you know each section of an instrument playing a part in that song maybe about you know 15 to 30 seconds each right so is that something that i don't i might be putting you on the spot here but that whole 15-second attention span thing going from one instrument to another. Is that something you've No, I think that's kind of com- common in all types of music. Mm-hmm. You know, you have motivic ideas, but you, you glue them together. You know, they are on a journey. Uh, so everything's flowing, and that flow could happen for four, five, seven, ten minutes, you know, whatever the case may be. I've got some pieces that are sectional, but they never have a complete break, and they go about eight minutes long. Mm. Um, where in, in rock music, the old saying is like, you know, if you've got to create something popular in three minutes or less. Although a lot of rock and pop musicians create things much longer than that. But that is sort of uh, something that has well known around the music community in the pop world is that you want to write short, keep it short, three or under. There's actually uh, um, some musicians now that are putting together a the song for their CD release and also for radio release. And one is three minutes long yeah. and the other one okay. is quite a yeah. bit longer. Exactly what I was saying. And, you know, I really wish that, the, you know what, that's driven by the industry. And I really wish yeah. the industry would get out and uh, of, of people's, you know, creative processes so much. Because that is stifling to be able to say, hey, you know, we... We've, we've done these, you know, tests and our listeners can only listen for three minutes or less. So you'll have to release your song you know, for this. And then you but you can do it on your own on your album for, you know, if it's four and a half minutes. I don't know. That's just, you know, this beautiful thing about being an independent artist and doing the project. I was able to do it exactly the way I wanted it to. Nobody influenced me. And I think the quality is better than if I would have went to a large company, to be honest with you. I well, think the quality of the sound production is better. I think the quality of the sheet music I put out, when I look at other uh, publishing companies and I look at mine, the art, the typesetting of all the notes, it's it's way higher quality. And nobody had to 
I didn't have to listen to anybody tell me that I need to do this or that. I'd love to see you put that in vinyl too. Um, I like I said, maybe eight track as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the reason because vinyl's making a comeback. Yeah, and uh, the the sound quality is so much better than an MP3 or even a wave format. Yeah, um, it, it's it's really cool. But we need to take a break for the top of the hour. And Holly, would you like to take us out for the top of the hour break? We're here on Martha Norwalk's radio show. <laughs> Martha Norwalk's Animal World. Very Animal good. World. And this is the once a month um, stand-in where she can get a day off with Kevin McDonald, Positive Talk, KKNW, 1150 AM. Very and well I thought done. I was putting Randy Very on the well spot. <laughs> Very well done. She passed with flying colors. <laughs> We'll be uh, back. Love Train's coming up next, and we'll let Martha say her your yogi energization yeah. purse. So remember to keep those places in mind that are really struggling in the world right now and can use some of the Love Train as well. Send it out and bring the energy. Here we go. Oh, infinite spirit, recharge our bodies with thy conscious cosmic energy, our minds with thy concentration and determination, our souls and all souls with thy ever new joy. Oh, eternal youth, body and mind. Abide in us forever and forever via the love train. And I hope everybody enjoyed that, the love train. And that's that's Martha's contribution to the show that uh, even though she's not here, she's here in spirit. This is the last Sunday of the month, which means that this is Positive Talk with Kevin McDonald. And we've got a room full, actually two roomfuls of people. And uh, we're doing very well. We're being COVID friendly. And we're talking with... Uh, uh, Randy Hathaway, who is a music god, is yeah. as far as I'm good because he he speaks a whole different language. Eric Hall is here. And Hi. He, he wor- <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Uh, and Holly Holly Berry is here. Hi, Holly. Hello. <laughs> oh, hi. And we are we are here. We're we're actually having a really good time. The last hour we spent talking about uh, Randy and his music, and I, I, I'd like to broaden out the discussion a little bit into into music and music and how it affects our culture, and and how to get into the music business, how it works to do stuff and the, the different things that you're trying to do with your work. Yeah, and and that sort of thing. So there may be somebody out there that would like to. Um, figure out how to do it themselves and stuff because you can do that even better and more easily than ever before, uh, with computers and that kind of thing. But you still have to have the basic, fundamental background, right? Yeah, and you can never forget that you have to network. You have to have some social skills. Um, you can't be a jerk. Uh, or you shouldn't yeah. be too much of a jerk. That's why I failed at a musician. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's a he's that's why he's a bus driver now. Did you know that? <laughs> There, yeah, there's a, there's a great. test that he had to take. So uh, he aced it, I think. He did. Yeah. And, and, and the test was to fail society. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the jerk meter. And <laughs> he, <laughs> so what does that make that singing bus driver guy? Oh, oh. Wallet, Wallet. He's a buddy of yeah. mine. Yeah, he's terrific. He's terrific. He's a nice guy in real life. I'm surprised that he made it in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I used to be a bus driver, so I know yeah. what you're, t- you're yeah. talking about. But... But uh, talking more about about music in general, is there anything that hurts your ears that's coming out today? I don't really listen to anything that's coming out today necessarily. Um, this might be surprising, but I go through periods of time 
long periods of time where I don't listen to music at all. Really? Yeah, because you saturate yourself sometimes, or at least I do, with writing and being so focused on it. And when I get done, I don't want to hear music. So my friends used to make fun. We used to go out to a couple Irish pubs in Shoe Little Pool, and there might be a live band there. And they would be really into it. They'd be like, what do you think of this band? I'd be like, I don't know. I haven't been listening. I've been shooting pool. I just, I don't listen. That was one of the bars I played at. Uh, a lot like of people were doing that. But <laughs> not listening. But when I do, it's it's very concentrated. Like if I'm going to uh, get into uh, listening to like uh, some American, I've been listening to a lot of American composer stuff. Um, I will sit down really uninterrupted and really listen. But as far as what's coming out today, let me think. What is coming? I have no idea what's coming out today. I, sorry. <laughs> now, now you, you, do you listen to, Holly, do you listen to current music that's coming out today? If you listen to... I do, yeah. Sometimes. So we have, you know how you can have the like Alexa or the Google in your house? Uh-huh. So sometimes I'll straight ask her, I'm like, hey, Google, play the top 20, you know, and sometimes I'm very like, oh, this is, I need to do this at least once a year because some of that stuff's really new and really different. And it's like a lot of um, like ethnic, um, like, uh, dance it's like really heavy with like dance and like some rap overtones mixed in with it so you'll have like something you know Beyonce ish but then you'll have the rapper at the same time too and then it's really like something you could wiggle your booty to <laughs> as you know I don't replay it a lot I have my favorites you know but yeah it's it's good to like every once in a while straight just let Google tell you what's up with them. <laughs> yeah, well, that'd be. That, I should try that. See, Although my, my Alexa has a learning disability, <laughs> so I, I've given up on her. But I rely on Pandora, mm-hmm. you know, very much for the same reason because you can program me these bizarre names. So I'll just type in. I'll just start typing in some. I'll start with a letter, and I'll, I'll go N A G U, and then it'll come up with all these choices. Naguri so I'll go, that sounds interesting. So I will click on that. <laughs> And it'll play something from, you know, Southern America, South America, pardon me, South America. <laughs> the real and Southern America. Yes, there yeah, the real America. And it will be absolutely wonderful. So you can explore things, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if some real, what I call, you know, real music from places that comes out of a culture. And you can actually get a sense of, uh, a sense of where the music comes from and not necessarily engineered in somebody's studio that's manufactured to last 2.38 seconds. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think for me, uh, what I have done instead of listening to a lot of new things is is introduce myself to new things. And I went on almost 10 years kick of listening to primarily mid-20th century American composers. And I had no idea how many were out there in the world. I was really ignorant at first. I thought, oh, I might come up with a dozen or less there's hundreds, hundreds of maybe going to the thousands and thousands of American composers. And then coming up and find, has anybody ever heard of Harold Shapiro by any chance? Harold Shapiro. That Harold would be a Shapiro. Name I remember. That oh. sounds like a lawyer. Please go no. listen to his four hands or the sonata for four hands on the piano. Really? Yeah. Um, American composer. Uh, he wasn't extremely prolific like uh, Aaron Copeland or Leonard Bernstein, but Aaron Copeland said he was one of the most brilliant composers of their day. And he just passed away a few years ago. He lived a very long life. Uh, anyway, I just 
introducing myself to his music and going, wow, who is this Harold Shapiro guy? I really dig his music. A lot of strong jazz elements in his music, but also a lot of Beethoven-esque moments with a big, huge dose of um, American sound uh, from the 20, mid-20th century. And you, you, know, you start to go, wow, this is really awesome stuff. So I've been introducing myself to new stuff that's not new, but it's new to me you know, from that era. And it's been fun. Take that. Like I said, got to get more into jazz. So just little by little, I've been, yeah. Now so, you said you started in, in music in the seventies, eighties, around in there. Probably eighties. Yeah. It's changed. Oh, oh absolutely. The business has changed. The over business the- has changed a huge amount. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, back then, I mean, you'd, uh, record companies and publishing companies. And nowadays, most people like myself, independent artists, there is some good news that we can do a lot of this stuff now, uh, thanks to computers ourselves and produce these projects ourselves. Um, and that means we have more control, but then there's also the bad side that I call the bad side. At least for me, it is for other people. It's probably just fine. But you have these platforms out there, the the Pandoras and the Spotify's and the the ones that do all the streaming services that are raping uh, the musicians of the their fees. Um, Sorry, the girls, you good. It's horrible. Um, so uh, I don't really want to get far down into that, but the musicians are getting paid almost nothing. But the CEOs and the people who work in the companies are again paying themselves a nice paycheck without ever having to pay the musicians up front for their money or reimbursing them for their their music, which is just ultra sad, unmost unethical to me, and so, uh, just get me as red as a bull if we talk about it too long. Well, oh, yeah, just to, just so real quick, just so people yeah. understand what we're talking about, when you go online and you stream a song, um, the artist is supposed to get paid. But you you gave us a statistic yeah. of what the percentage was, and I got an email saying that's that's criminal and that's horrible. Yeah, but it's criminal, absolutely. What was the percentage? Well, I I will just you know um, I don't know it specifically, but it's like put a zero, then put a point dot zero 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 seventh of a cent per play that musicians get. So just do a do a zero, yeah. Maybe you can get it on. Uh, we're looking it up right now, and then add a couple more zeros, and then a seventh of a cent was the last that I had heard. Maybe they gone up to a ninth of a cent after a couple zeros. So one of the artists that was on my my uh, podcast recently was had half a million um, plays on mm-hmm. Spotify, and they made thirteen dollars. Um, mm. That I don't know what. He's he's got the computer over there, or the the. I'm just looking at if a song had a million plays or yeah. something like that, and they get like seven tenths of a cent. You were saying mm-hmm. that's about seven thousand dollars to the artist. Yeah, it's not seven tenths of it. It's like zero zero. It's like zero point zero zero seventh of a cent. It's really bad. It's not seventh of a cent. Well, and all the different platforms are going to have because, their own. Oh, seven hundred then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, and that's for, for a, a million, million plays. For a million plays. That's $700. Mm-hmm. So the person who had a half a million got $350. So your Smash Worldwide hit only got you $700. That's groceries for like maybe a couple weeks, right? Exactly. What are they that's complaining about? That's a week's paycheck. About? No, I'm kidding. For however yeah. many months of so, work dollars yeah. a week is a, a low-income paycheck. And, and so you guys do it because you love it? Yeah. No, that's we, not a... I, I do it expecting to get reimbursed too. Yeah. 
I mean, this, well, is a business. this is a business to me, too. I've always been about business. I do it because I love it. I'm passionate about it. But, yeah, if we talk about this too long, Kevin, I'm going to get hot. Like, we <laughs> should get off the subject. <laughs> okay. Well, you just, why don't you guys get together and pick another song that we can play? Yeah. So, you know, we talked earlier about the music yeah. being engaging. Yeah. And as Eric was mentioning that. I have a piece called Engage. Yeah. And so I'm going to put this together because I don't think we meant to segue like this, but I actually meant to write something that would engage your brain. Um, so we are getting a little bit more deeply philosophical here with something like that. Um, and this is a piece for flute and guitar. Oh, I love this piece, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it was, it's, yeah. it's gotten a lot of radio play. This whole album's gotten a lot of radio play, just a tremendous amount uh, across America and Canada and the U.K., um, in fact, this piece has been coming up recently a lot on playlists. Um, so I thought we'd just play the second of the two movements. And this is for flute and guitar. This is uh, the flutist locally, Tori Kaminsky, and the guitarist locally, Jason Williams.
Hernandez. A little piggy That's went to market. Gonna be stuck <laughs> in my head all day. <laughs> Let's just We're play it all the way through. <laughs> We're going to lunch. You know what I'm going to order? Bacon sandwich. <laughs> That's right. Some of that pulled pork too, please. <laughs> we are we are here. Um, Give me uh, this a live is, one. <laughs> this is positive talk with what Kevin revenge. McDonald and friends, <laughs> some of whom. <laughs> Keep talking. Um, <laughs> mind your manners, young man. And uh, Holly Berry is with us. She was with us the first hour. By the way, again, you if you want to buy flowers from you and a flower arrangement, how do they do that? Yeah, anaturaldesign.com, three words. Anaturaldesign.com, and you go to the website. Yeah. It has all kinds of really cool um, um, arrangements and things that you can pick up, and then you can deliver them wherever they need to go. It does, yeah. And then um, if people want to see more, like I announced your show um, on my Patreon, there's a button for that on that website, too. So they can see kind of the behind the scenes, the making, the how-tos, recipes, stuff like that. And after graduation, I'll actually get more into that for them and put more on YouTube for them. So, Well, very Wonderful. cool. Very Wonderful. cool. And Eric Hall is Hi. over there. Hi. <laughs> Hi. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm good. And Randy Hathaway's there. And Hi, I'm Randy. Gonna, I'm gonna, Howdy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to turn uh, this over to Eric because hi. we were going to talk about uh, um, production and things that oh. I, I know like precious little about. Yeah, that, that piece that we just played, Engage, man, that is just gorgeous. Thank you. You know, I, it almost has this feeling of a contrapuntal movement. Yeah. Was that uh, something written into it? You know, the, the idea when I w- wrote for these two instruments, and, and I played with the flute back in the day, um, such a beautiful instrument for the guitar to play with. And same with the voice and the, and the viola. I mean, I picked instruments that are really good friends with the guitar. But um, I made sure that rhythmically I, I wrote the lines so that you could really clearly hear both instruments well, and they, they were not one of them, which generally would mean the flute could um, sort of suppress the guitar. So by being very careful with my lines, I was able to get clarity between the two instruments as I was writing. I almost felt like two different speeds at one time, or two different time signatures. That yeah, meant. that's that's. You have to go back and listen to the first movement because it really, um, it's it really changes between the first movement. And you heard the second movement on that, uh, the, where the flute in the second movement is very spacious, very spacious, and the guitar is kind of quick. Yeah, and yeah. is is so yeah. They're almost in two different places, and yet they are working it's together. It's married together. Yeah, yeah. it's married together, and uh, yeah. So that was intentional. Fabulous. Did that create any production issues? No, no, no. Just more just me writing issues. <laughs> I actually wanted to tear apart the first movement. That was the whole concept. Is I wanted to engage your brain into like wanting to think and open up and learn. You know, that time where you like maybe turn PBS on and you start to see a show like starts setting up and and your brain kind of kicks in. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch a documentary. I'm going to watch this PBS show or this whatever. I wanted to create some music that would kind of do that same thing, kind of trigger your brain into wanting to learn. And after I wrote the first movement, I didn't know what to do for a second movement. And I felt like it needed to go further. So I I tore the first movement apart and I, I, I call like deconstruct. And yeah. kind of flipped them things backwards and, and had a lot of fun with it, but it took some effort <laughs> on the composition side for me to get what I wanted. Oh, it turned out wonderfully. Uh, thank it you. Just, it was just wonderful. Yeah. Now, 
So when you went into the studio, I know the production on this CD was huge. This was yeah. a massive undertaking. Massive. Yeah, it took you years, right? Two, three years. So three years three to years. just do the CD, the recording, and the and the and the mixing. Wow. Now, was this after it was written? This is yeah. So um, you know, ten, twelve years of writing and saving money, and then another three years of producing. So you know, good more than a dozen years involved in to getting this one CD out. Thirteen years is like having a child. Yeah. Now you got a teenager. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, you know, you have to do what you have to do. I mean, there was just, there was no money grants. Nobody was going to plop any money and said, hey, you know, just stop your life and just write and record and do what you do. I, you know, I ran a music school here in Seattle for six years and a charity concert series. I mean, you have to do things. And I used my money to uh, save up. And it was, it was, it was costly. But it was, I mean, in a beautiful way, the product is great. Yeah, it's, it's tremendous. Yeah. If you, just looking at the CD. Yeah. It is uh, phenomenal because the colors are, are gorgeous. The way it's pulled together, the, the, uh. Yeah, my sister did the actual, uh, oh, cover of the CD. sister, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And you had a bunch of artists that, uh. Did, did all the sheet music. Did the sheet music. Yep. So each piece is just like you mentioned earlier, you can purchase the sheet music. And each sheet music is done, has some artists that uh, yeah. rendered a piece. The artwork is just phenomenal throughout. And that was just another another element of collaborating. So, you know, 18 musicians on the album and then 10 artists doing all the uh, sheet music covers. So that's 28 folks plus the engineer. And I brought on a couple of my former professors from college to help me like co-coach sometimes in rehearsals. I mean, it was it was an undertaking like no other. <laughs> Like no other, but it was also like the, some of it was like the best musical experience of my life up to this point. And absolutely. Were you able to, cause this is over a decade. Were you able that whole time as you're creating each piece and working with all these people from all over to, to save it? And did you have to like transfer it into different like programs or like digitally? Like how does that build work over a decade? Oh, yeah. I save everything on the computer and stuff, but then I would also print it out and have, like, you know, hard copies of it. But uh, that's the thing that's kind of wonderful about computers is we can, we can, uh, there's programs out there that we can write the music on into sheet music and we can save it in documents. We can email those to the musicians and then they can either read it right off of their computer or print it out. So there's some beautiful things and we can also do that as far as sound goes. We can, Maybe early on we might do a live recording and then we, you know, save it on a little file on our computer and then come back at it at some point when we're about ready to go in the studio. So it's good stuff. I think it's a good time to ask this question. Yeah. Now. So when you're recording the CD or the album, I should say, you were on a road trip, right? You're going from like east to west or kind of traveling my... around the United States? No, no, no. Not that not that far. But no, the... Um, but you were in my my My... My father was having some health issues at the time, and I had just closed down the music school. And I I was just like, wow, okay, I'm closing down the music school. My father's having some health issues. He lives on the uh, east side of the mountains, mm-hmm. away from Seattle. And I was having to travel over and back. So I made 100 trips over the mountains over the course of five years, staying for extended period of times when I started recording this album. Okay. Okay, because I work in uh, some music production as well, yeah. and I, one of the big things as an engineer is known as the car test. 
So I was wondering oh, yeah. if when you were traveling east and yeah. back from the mountains, yeah. were you listening to a lot of yeah. your music in your car oh, yeah. when you were traveling? Yeah. So the, one of the things that the engineer always, you know, brought that up right at the very beginning as as we were, you know, going through production is to make sure you listen to the your your music on as many different platforms like a home stereo, your computer, your car. I even got a boom box and listen to that so that you are listening to the different qualities coming at you. So absolutely, when I was traveling, you bet. Because you got to do something for a few hours when you're going over the east side, mm-hmm. right? So either listening or thinking a lot about production. And when you were traveling, did maybe something stand out to you when, like, let's say you're listening, but then you heard, like, this thing you were experiencing in your travels and wanted to add that into the mix as well? Or was it just pretty much kind of already set in stone? Um, no, sometimes we could add things in. You know, after we recorded it and stuff, without a doubt, when, you know, there's there's a certain amount of things that you can manipulate and stuff. Because when you record, you're always trying to get multiple tracks and multiple takes. So sometimes you might say, hey, could you take a look at another take we did? You know, I want to see if we can find this or something like that. We did a lot of stuff. We had to do a lot of stuff over the computer. We had to bounce the engineer and I. And I should mention this because it was Michael Thomas Connolly was the owner of C Studios and the engineer who spent three solid years with me going through this. And he was a wonderful engineer. And the musicians who came in the studio loved him. He made them all sound great and comfortable. But we, we transpired back and forth through hundreds of emails, you know, on this project. So that was something that I could do when I was on the other side. I didn't always have to be in the studio Occasionally, I would go back in the studio, even after recording sessions, to do some editing or some mixing. But a lot of times, we would do it, yeah, through the internet. Is his studio here in Seattle? It was. He was actually over on Finney Ridge, which was a great area, because the classical guitar community kind of has a hub over on 85th and uh, and uh, Greenwood. There's a place called the Rosewood Guitar, and they sell uh, classical guitars and sheet music. And then there's three coffee shops and a bookstore, and they house a whole bunch of classical guitar recitals in that little neighborhood. So Finney's right down the street. And then I used to live just north of there. So, uh, but uh, Michael, his dream was to really get out in the country. So Michael took Ampty C Studios after being on Finney for many years. And he's up in Bellingham now, which I looked at the pictures of his studio. They're amazing. So he's got a country farm now. Mm and uh, has built his own studio instead of using a cool little old house in Finney. But it's um, it's beautiful. So hopefully uh, my next album, I'll uh, get a chance to go up to Bellingham and, and uh, do some recording with him or even bring him out on location if we we might have to do some, like the choral pieces I'm writing right now, I have to go on location, I have to bring him out. Because the musicians, again, love that guy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And farms just really make great recording studios in general. Yeah. There's just so many of those across the United States. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine just the atmosphere of getting out there and being able to decompress. And then, like, you know, when, it's so intense when you go in the studio. I love it. I've been in the hot seat, which I call, like, having the mic in front of me and recording as an instrumentalist on one of the tracks. But most of the time you're sitting behind the board with the engineer and you're just listening. I love that kind of work. It's so intense. You just... So intense. And the idea of being out on a farm, though, to decompress a little bit, like, hey, let's take a break, and you go outside, have some coffee. Oh, that just sounds lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to visiting him studio on Bellingham at some point. 
Yeah. So how long before your next album is ready to go into I the don't studio? Know. You know, guess guess who's saving money up again? <laughs> so I'm about maybe two years, three years into saving money. So it depends on how much money I can save, uh, how much people will donate and buy the albums, you know, all that is available. I would say as far as the writing goes, I'm over halfway. Uh, so that means I've got over half album of material and uh, it's looking good. And we're going to, it's going to expand away from, not expand away. It's going to just classical guitar will be present on that album, but it's going to expand into some other instrumentations as well. And from what I'm hearing, I'm just starting to get the music out to some people. They're giving me two thumbs up. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm excited to introduce people at some point, maybe two, three to five years. Now, would you, be, would you be willing to do like a GoFundMe page, something like that? or do you? Believe- I don't know if those things work anymore. For I would always be willing to do something like that. I don't know if those things work so much for music. I think early on I was looking at some of the musicians. They worked a little bit. And now... Uh, I think musicians have gotten away from those because they really, the last I've seen, not working so well. But I would certainly always be open to doing stuff. So I'm I'm not opposed. Just, you know, take the right avenue. I think in uh, music, it's more of like band camp, right? You're familiar with band camp? I'm a a little bit familiar just because some people that I know use it, but I'm not overly familiar now. You're talking about the movie? No. (laughs) (laughs) There was a movie? There was a movie called Bandcamp. Really? Yeah, it was a famous uh, discussion about a clarinet. That sounds. <laughs> that does sound familiar, but yeah, I, I have to now. I have to go back and see if I can find it. Yeah, it, it's it. a it's a flute. And, oh, yeah. it's a flute. <laughs> oh, is that right, Holly? <laughs> <laughs> Great actress. Very funny movie. But what's what's the this one time platform you're talking camp? about? Band oh, Bandcamp. Camp. It's kind of like a place where musicians, like startup and bands and stuff, can go to uh, publicize yeah. their music. It's like a social media okay. type platform for bands that are either just starting out or uh, something like that, huh. like SoundCloud or just another one of those. Huh. Yeah. Very good, because there's Patheon. Is that is that? Oh, Patreon? Or Patreon. Yeah. That's... Um, have you heard of that? Yeah, I have heard of Patreon a little bit. Oh, I, I know nothing about it. Somebody else in this but room But I does. don't know anything yeah. about it either. There's there's so many websites out there like that, you know, yeah. where all the different genres can try to have a place where people can support them. Yeah. Yeah. I did get a couple grants uh, in 2019 and 20. I got a Washington State Arts Commission grant. Nice. And I got a Jack Straw Productions grant, and they're over in the University of Washington, to help produce one piece of music. And... Uh, so I might, you know, it's, it's a hard call to go down the ground world when you, you, you put your time in and you look at the money that you get or the services that you get back. Um, I think that if I went out and actually made hourly wage, I'd probably make more money than writing for grants. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of, uh, but maybe not as much if I can go for some bigger fish. So uh, like somewhere you're getting like five, seven to $10,000 grants. These were... Uh, more around the one to two thousand dollars, which is great, and you're very like you know honored to get those, you know, um, and you're and they're not easy. Some of them, um, you know, there's a lot of people going after them. So when you grants get one, are not easy to get. Any, yeah, and when anytime you, I got and when I got a couple, I was so flattered. And um, and what was so great is that uh, a couple of the uh, the committees or or whatever they call the folks uh, on the panels. 
got back to me and said that the uh, the CD here that I used as my examples was just rocked them. Just they were just wowed by it. So that Dynamite. made me feel really good that Dynamite. I've I've got um, good product out there. You do indeed. You do indeed. The, uh, classical guitar in America. Randy Hathaway dot com is yeah. where you go, and you can buy that directly from him. Yeah, and, and it's cheap, and it's it's got it in his Jeep. Yeah, there's no, and I've got it in my Jeep. It's there's no, <laughs> and I'm running around Seattle, so just you know, yeah, yeah, just flag him down and flag me down. And it's parking not, lot. It's not cheap. <laughs> it's inexpensive because it's the, affordable. It's, it's affordable. affordable because the music is dynamic. And it's, it it's, it's really good. So, so anyway, we've got one more segment before we have to say adieu for today. So uh, we're going to take a break right now, and we'll be right back with more with Randy Hathaway and Holly Berry and, oh, that guy over there named Eric. Hi. <laughs> we'll be right back. And welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Uh, actually, Positive Talk Positive Talk with Kevin McDonald, and this is Martha. What was that? Wow. <laughs> Eric, behave yourself over there. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dang funny. Um, this is positive. <laughs> this, actually, this is Martha Norwalk's Animal World. She's not here, thank God. She'd be yelling. Hi, Martha. She, <laughs> she, she would be yelling and screaming at us. <laughs> um, but... Uh, <laughs> and and Eric, never mind, never mind. By the way, Randy Hathaway is here, and he would like us to be a little bit more serious. Thank you very much. <laughs> or not? You know. Or not? And well, we've got we've got a short time left, and we wanted to do one more piece oh, of yeah. yours before we before we have to go. So let's talk about that piece. Yeah. So we we've done Exodus, and we 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 did a Lobo Tango for voice. And guitar, and of course, Exodus was viola and guitar. We did flute and guitar with Engage. We're going to go back to voice and guitar. And this uh, piece called Song of the Ballerina. And this is really nice because everything I try to do with this music project, it has to be personal to me. Has, something in my life has to come into it. And on this in particular piece, a lot of my past and, and life and my family's come into it. You're a ballerina? So, yeah, Song of the Ballerina. Uh, my grandmother... And my grandparents, both of them had uh, farms down in the lower valley of central Washington. And uh, one of them, I spent a lot of time on their orchard. And my grandmother had a music box, so one of those that you would wind up and you lift the lid and the little ballerina would pop up and and dance around. And, uh, you know, my older sisters and I were always intrigued by that little box, you know. We'd go wind it up and watch it and then, you know, whatever. I think my sister used to play dress up with it because my grandmother would put her jewelry in it, Right. And had have all like her, her clothes, in the closet. My sisters would get those out and play all dress up, and I would just wind it up because it was mechanical. I think I broke it too, unfortunately. <laughs> but my my dad and my grandfather bought it for, and and so when I started writing "Song of the Ballerina," the music that would play out of that box reminded me of the music I was writing, and and so I started thinking, you know, of this piece being for voice and guitar, and I thought maybe that subject should be about that box and how we interacted with it. So. Um, it's a song about my grandmother's music box that my grandfather and or my father gifted her for Christmas probably one year, you know, way back in the day. And um, 
they were wonderful farmers. I spent a lot of time down their farm, have a lot of beautiful memories of that. It was an orchard, right? Yeah, an orchard, beautiful orchard. And um, small kind of mom and pop thing, you know? And uh, and then when it came time to do the sheet music, I had my dad do the uh, the cover for the sheet music. Because, uh, you know, obviously he was instrumental in getting that to my grandmother. So Song of the Ballerina has got um, D.G. Killian on it as a vocalist. And she, um, mm. somebody I worked with for years and years and years with, um, she's from the Seattle, formerly, many, many, many moons ago from the Seattle Opera. But she um, actually is a choral conductor here for the, I think it's called the Northwest uh, Firelight Chorale. And she is a wonderful, wonderful conductor and wonderful. Um, Sweetheart. Uh, also wonderful singer. Yeah. And we have Jessica Papkoff here again uh, doing the accompany on the guitar. So let's listen to a little song of the ballerina. That is Randy Hathaway 
from his CD, um, Classical Guitar in America. And uh, that's, that was beautiful, Randy. That's a far cry from Led Zeppelin and, and Metallica, I do have yeah. to say. Yeah, it's a little more peaceful. It, it is that. Eric almost fell asleep. Yeah. It's, it's meant to bring, you know, um, I hope, you know, people can get a lot of different things out of classical music and probably could get a lot of different things out of this album. Somebody emailed me recently who had <clears throat> purchased my music and they said, your, your music, as I'm sitting down listening to it, just makes me feel so happy. I was like, wow, that's a beautiful thing to say and be able to do to people that your music just makes me feel so happy that's pretty cool yeah that's you know, it's the highest compliment i can think of it's certainly certainly if you can have that kind of effect on people that they just feel happy well, enough sadness in our world today and there's enough division yeah. in our world today to be able to make something and somebody feel happy is a real blessing to me that is absolutely or engaged or something you know they they go off and they can sort of fantasize about what you know uh, this music is trying to convey to them you know i have the seasonal pieces obviously winter summer spring and fall and exodus and there's plenty of things with themes very thematic music i guess i should say anyway well i i hope that you will inspire somebody to go to cornish to get an education to learn how to do this yeah so that they can do this themselves oh yeah cornish was the was the right place for me Without I'd love to see an independent filmmaker make the film to that album. Yeah, I would. That too. would be incredible. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, absolutely. I think this would marry up with film so beautifully. And I've been told by so many people for the last three or four years that this album's been out in the world, getting radio play, that it just feels cinematic to them. And so, um, yeah, please for anybody out there who. Who has avenues into that world? Let me know whether it be licensing or whether it might be uh, people who work uh, in what do they call those folks? Um, Videographers. No, there's a uh, I used that word earlier to describe Music the people. Manager. Who, well, it's but it's close. Uh, but anyway, they secure music for film mm. and uh, movies, and uh, so that would be great. I'd I'd be all for getting this stuff licensed in and like a score. Now the, the well, no, the person that they call it is a uh, music. I'm not going to remember in a split second. There's a name for a person who um, who works in the film world who secures music for it. And I said it earlier, like maybe 45 minutes ago, and now I can't remember it. I thought it was music manager. I must have. Not, no, I mean, there are music managers out there, but that would actually use that. But anyway, so we'll just move on from there because I just can't remember. Okay. Can, can we have your permission, and I'll have it on tape, can we have your permission <laughs> to use some of your music in some of the uh, production that we do? Yeah, absolutely. I have I'll music you, supervisor here. That's it. That's, that's it. Music supervisor. supervisor. There it is. So We'll give you full credit and all that and, and how to reach you and all that kind of thing. Absolutely. But some of the, some of this would play really well with the types of thing that you're you're looking to do, Eric, and, yes. and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I could use Beautiful. it on the background for the YouTube's of the floral stuff I do. Ooh. Oh yeah. If yeah. you wanted, I'd yeah, be, I'd be happy to. Absolutely. Them. Any of my any of my good friends uh, have have you know free reign to to use this music, but everybody else, you need to pay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's only fair. It's only fair. RandyHathaway.com. Yeah. 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 Go there and explore. There's there's lots of stuff to, to look at and uh, documentaries to watch. I even made a little documentary of the production of this, which is kind of fun. Brilliant. Awesome. Awesome. Brilliant. So Randy Hathaway has been our guest, as has Holly Berry. Now, this is the first time all three of you have been in this particular studio. Holly, what would you think? Yeah, it was fun. Like, we had to switch in and out from the other room, depending on who was talking, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Eric? Oh, I've had a blast. I've had a blast. This is I love talking with you guys. You know, this is, uh, I can see why people pursue this as a career, because you get to hang out and talk and uh, learn new things. I'll tell you that there's a difference, though. What's that? Same thing that Randy does with his art form, uh-huh. is if you are in corporate radio, You've got, and, and uh, uh, Nathan can speak to this as well, you've got hard breaks, you've got eight minutes, you've got to take another break, then you've got two, break, two minutes for break. So you don't have the creative freedom to be able to put together the show how you would like to, to put, put it together to make it as impactful as possible. And sense. you have to almost do it from an independent standpoint, just like you're doing. Yeah, yeah, and that way you have control, right? Or yes. have more control. Not the more control freaks, mind you, but no. but you need to you be have able a vision, to, right? Exactly. You have a vision, and and even when I used to run a, a, a local uh, music school here, that was a nonprofit, and then and work a charity. Somebody has to make some decisions at some point. If you get too many people in the room and everybody's trying to make a decision and everybody's got an equal say, it sounds good in theory. Yeah. You know, <laughs> in the utopian world, like hey, everybody's got to say, you know, but. No, somebody, you know, it, it, it feels good to be independent if you can get your vision across well, you know, and still be a nice guy or a nice person, uh, you know, before, during, and after. That's why I quit being a bus driver. That's the finesse of it all. Is being a nice guy? Yeah. Being a nice guy and making the hard decisions. Yeah. Yeah, That really is. Yeah. Well, hopefully there won't be all that many, but it's, it's, it's great to have you here, Holly. Uh, will you come back when, when we have a, a need for you to come back? Sure. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun. It would be fun to come say hi again. It would. And, and Eric, yourself? Yes, I, I would like that. Oh, very good. And Randy, you're welcome anytime. Oh, thank you very much. It is awesome what you do, and I applaud your vision, and your music is just phenomenal. Thank yeah. you so much. We'll have you back as your albums come out. Yeah, that'll as be about 10 years. You know, we're still alive. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. if we're not alive, we get to go see Holly. <laughs> it all works Happy out. Happy to help. <laughs> it's amazing how the universe works out, man. If you, if you missed the first hour, is, uh, Holly is not only graduating from college at the, end of the, at the end of September, she is also a funeral director. She's also a floral designer, and she's going to be a big-time business mogul. And it, yeah, it's, the term for it is a professional generalist. A professional generalist. There you go. She's going to be professionally general and stuff <laughs> and things. I'd like to thank everybody for listening, and I wanted to make sure everybody is praying for the people down in uh, um, New Orleans that, that they're being hit by a, tor- or a hurricane right now, and we wish you all the best. And be nice to each other. Take care of each other, and have a great day, everybody. We'll see you in a month. Bye.